Galatians chapter 1. That's okay. I'll yell. It's uh, nothing. Let's let's um, look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for as Brother Vic prayed for letting us be here for the opportunity that we have to gather together in a in, in a place where your name is honored and your word is honored, and we ask that you would speak to our hearts tonight as we study your word together and we ask it in Jesus name amen tonight we're continuing our studies here in the book of Galatians Wednesday night we looked at verses 8 and 9 where Paul says but though we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. And in the message Wednesday night, we looked at 1 Kings chapter 13, where we saw a real life example of what Paul is talking about here. Uh, if you can, I don't know if you have a ribbon or two or three ribbons in your Bible, but if you can, mark your place here in Galatians chapter 1 and turn back to 1 Kings chapter 13. Uh, we're going to be flipping back and forth between these passages. Um, there are some details there uh, that we didn't have time to get to Wednesday night. And this passage in 1 Kings 13 is so full of spiritual truth that whenever the Spirit of God um, allows us to go there, directs us there, we, we don't want to rush through the verses here. And also, something else that we want to see is that the verses here in 1 Kings 13 parallel in a number of ways uh, Galatians chapter 1 where we're studying and we want to see some of those parallels as well. Look at 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 1. And behold there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord. There came a man of God out of Judah by the the word of the Lord. That sounds a great deal like Galatians 1.1. Galatians 1.1 where Paul says, Paul, an apostle not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. This man of God that we're reading about in 1 
Kings 13, was not of men, neither by man. He came by the Word of God. In this first verse of 1 Kings 13, I think we can see a parallel to Galatians 1, uh, verses 15 through 17. If you'll uh, look at those. Paul says there, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by His grace, to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. It pleased God who separated this man that we're reading about in 1 Kings 13 from his mother's womb and called him by his grace to reveal his message in him that he might preach that message among the heathen. The heathen happened to be Jeroboam in Israel in this case. Immediately there is no record that this man conferred with flesh and blood. Brother Jed is preaching on Wednesday night about Elijah. And that's a similar situation to him. He comes on the scene. Who's he been conferring with? Who's he been in preparation with? It's not with flesh and blood. It's with the Lord. And that's the same with this man. There's no record that he's conferred with flesh and blood. Neither is there any record that he went up to Jerusalem, that's in Judah, to confer with those who were prophets before him. This man comes on the scene from a place where he was prepared by God for the ministry that the Lord had for him, just as Paul comes out of Arabia, prepared for his ministry to the Gentiles, the ministry that God had given him. And the message that he preached, the message that this man preached in 1 Kings chapter 13 was by revelation from God. Look at 1 Kings 13 and verse 2. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. This is a revelation from God. Because only God can write history before it happens. The events in this chapter are taking place in about the year 881 B.C. I have to emphasize that word about because whenever you're looking at chronologies, you're looking at about. You're looking at a man uh, who has done a great deal of research like Philip Morrow um, and um, Sir Robert Anderson. Um, and yet their times that they give are about. The Lord has clouded time. Um, 
so that we don't know the exact day and we don't know the exact hour so that we can just know the times and the seasons. But the year is, is eight, 881 B.C. Now I want you to keep your place here and um, turn over to 2 Kings chapter 21. Keep in mind what we've read here in 1 Kings chapter 13. We've read about uh, Josiah. He's going to be born. And we've read about who he is. We've read about what he's going to do. So keep your place here and turn over to 2 Kings 21 and look at verse 26. And he, that is Ammon, was buried in his sepulcher in the garden of Uzzah. And Josiah, his son, reigned in his stead. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Josiah was born in the year 568 B.C. In 1 Kings 13 and verse 2, this man of God says that behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David. He not only says that there's going to be a child born, he gives this child's name, Josiah, by name. And so Josiah is identified by name and his birth is foretold 313 years before it takes place. This man of God received that message by revelation from the Lord. But that's not all the prophecy. Not only was Josiah's birth foretold, but what he was going to do was foretold. 1 Kings 13 and verse 2 says, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee, this altar of Jeroboam's that he's crying against, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. Josiah was born in 568 B.C. He became king when he was eight years old. That's 560 B.C. Second Chronicles chapter 34 tells us that in the eighth year of his reign, that would be 552 B.C., while he was yet young, 16 years of age to be exact. It's a blessing to hear about the camping trip. Young people, young people who are beginning to seek the Lord in their life. What a tremendous blessing that is. Josiah, when he was yet young, 16 years of age, was remembering his Creator in the days of his youth. He began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the 12th year of his reign, that would be 548 B.C., Josiah began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. That's in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 34. But then we read here in 2 Kings 22 and verse 3 that it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah. That would be 542 B.C. That Josiah sent these men uh, in to repair the house of the Lord. And you remember what happened. They found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And they read it before the king. And the result of that 
Josiah, hearing the words of the law of God, read, he gathers all the people together. All the people. He gathers them from every corner. He gathers those who are great, those who are small. And he reads in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant. This is in 542 B.C. But notice what else happens in that year. Look at 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 14. And he break in pieces the images and cut down the groves and fill their places with the bones of men. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel and the high place which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, had made, both that altar and the high place he broke down and burned the high place and stamped it small to powder and burned the grove. And as Josiah turned himself, he spied the sepulchers that were there in the mount and sent and took the bones out of the sepulchers and burned them upon the altar and polluted it according to the word of the Lord which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. I want you to remember this. We're not going to come back here again. But I want you to remember the last part of verse 16. According to the word of the Lord which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. So 313 years... Before Josiah is born, his birth is prophesied. And what he is going to do to Jeroboam's altar is foretold 339 years before it happens. The point is that these messages could only have been revealed to this man of God by revelation from God himself. And that's what Paul says of the message that he preached to the Galatians. Flip back over to Galatians chapter 1 and look at verse 11. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 11. Um, Paul says to these Galatians, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, the, the, the message that this man of God was giving was not after man. Paul says, For I neither received it of man, neither did this man of God. Neither was I taught it, neither was this man of God. But by the revelation of Jesus Christ, the same way this man of God received the revelation, the prophecy that he gave in 1 Kings 13 and verse 2. And while we're here, I would say that the way that Paul received the gospel is the same way that we received it, by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that revelation comes to all men. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. As the Spirit of Jesus Christ moves on, on the face of the waters of the Word of God. And He reproves and He convicts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and reveals, He reveals to our hearts the gospel. 
How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when the Spirit of God reveals to you that message by the revelation of Jesus Christ, the warning of Scripture is harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. Because he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. So there's these parallels between this man of God in 1 uh, Kings chapter 13 and what we're reading about the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 1. Let's go back to 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Kings chapter 13. So the man of God who came out of Judah by the word of the Lord, he comes and he cries against Jeroboam's altar and his false religion. But as we talked about Wednesday night, crying against Jeroboam and his altar and giving the prophecy concerning the birth of Josiah and the prophecy of what Josiah would do was not all the message that the Lord had told him. The Lord told this man of God, as we see in verse 9, that he was not to eat bread nor drink water in Bethel, and he wasn't to return to Judah the same way he had come. And this man of God is doing exactly that until an old prophet comes and says to this man of God in 1 Kings 13 and verse 18, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. And then we read these final words in verse 18. But he lied unto him. And verse 19 says, So he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. Here's another parallel between the verses here in Galatians chapter 1. Beside verse 19, we can write Paul's words in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, if you want to flip over and look at it, where Paul says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. That's what this old prophet is doing. He's troubling this man of God by perverting the gospel of Christ, by perverting the message from heaven that this man received by revelation from God. And so beside 1 Kings 13, 18, I am a prophet also as thou art, and an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, 
that he may eat bread and drink water? But he lied unto him. Beside that 18th verse, you can write Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. And so as we see in verse 19, the man of God goes back with the old prophet. He is soon removed. He is so easily removed. And it's like that because of what Paul writes in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. He talks there of the sin which does so easily beset us. The sin which does so easily beset us. So let's not be too quick to criticize this man of God. We're just like Him. We're just like Him. How many times would the Lord say to us, I marvel that you are so soon removed from me, from me, from my Word. I've given you my Word. It says what it says. I marvel that you're so soon removed from it. And so the man of God goes back with the old prophet and he eats bread and drinks water in disobedience to the Lord. And the Lord sends His message to this man of God through the old prophet. And He tells the man of God that his disobedience is going to cost him his life. And not only is it going to cost him his life, his carcass would not come unto the sepulcher of his fathers. Now notice verse 23. And it came to pass, after he had eaten bread, and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. Notice here in verse 23 that this old prophet saddles for the man of God one of his asses. And that brings up a contrast. It's a very important contrast between how this man of God got from Judah to Bethel compared to how he left Bethel. I believe it's clear that he walked from Judah to Bethel. If he had ridden an ass there, then he would not have needed the old prophet to saddle one of his. When the man of God came to Bethel in the will of God to deliver the message of God, he walked. He walked. That's important. It's important because an obedient Christian life is pictured over and over and over by this word, walk. Walk. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 says, 
Therefore, as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Romans 8 and verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 4, That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans 13 and verse 13, Let us walk honestly as in the day. 2 Corinthians 2.7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Galatians 5.16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.25, If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Ephesians 2 and verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created unto good works, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 5 and verse 15, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And then one that we mention a good deal, Colossians 2 and verse 6, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. An obedient Christian life is pictured by this word, walk. This man of God walked, I believe, no question in my mind, that he walked in obedience from Judah to Bethel to deliver the message from heaven. But notice how he left. Notice how he left Bethel. He left in disobedience. And and what drives that picture to us is he left on an ass. Two kinds of asses in the Bible. And they speak to us of two things. They speak to us of two aspects of this old nature. A wild ass speaks to us of the natural man, the old nature in those who are lost. Job chapter 11 and verse 12 says, For vain man would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's colt. And so that is the old nature in a lost person. An ass that is broken speaks to us of the old nature in those who are saved. Exodus 13 and verse 13 says, In every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb, and if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck. An ass that is broken has been redeemed by the Lamb. That's you and me if we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. But an ass is still an ass. This old nature, even after we're saved, is unchanged, is still stubborn, is still ungovernable. And the neck of this old nature 
must be broken every moment of every day as we die to self, as we present our bodies a living sacrifice, as we're crucified with Christ. And so when we see this man of God riding on an ass, it tells us that he is no longer walking in the Spirit in obedience. He is riding in the flesh in rebellion. And when we are riding in the flesh in rebellion against God, we are open to the attack of our adversary, the devil, who Peter describes in 1 Peter 5, 8, as a roaring lion, as a roaring lion. Look at verse 24. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way. And the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. Now what's interesting here is that the lion did not devour the body of this man. He didn't devour the body of the man of God. We mentioned 1 Peter 5, 8 a moment ago. This says that the devil is like a roaring lion. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. And so what we might expect to see here is the lion devouring this man of God so that there's nothing left except the lion and the ass. But the word devour in 1 Peter 5, 8 it means to devour, it means to swallow up, it means to destroy. You see, what the devil loves to do is to devour and swallow up and destroy the testimony of believers. And the way that people know that we have been riding on the ass of this old nature in rebellion against God the way that people know that the devil has swallowed up and destroyed our testimony is because he leaves our carcass. He leaves our carcass. He leaves the corpse of our testimony for all the world to see. It's his greatest trophy. His greatest trophy, a rebellious Christian. And of course, he leaves the ass because it's his ally. The ass is just like him. He'll never devour that. I heard something here at this church, I guess 35 so years ago, that I'd never heard before and certainly never thought about before. This old nature is just exactly like the nature of Satan. And this is one of the little passages of Scripture that proves that. The devil wasn't going to bother the ass. It's his great friend. And so there stands the lion and his ally, the ass, over the carcass of the man of God. And the result of this, as we talked about Wednesday night, the result of this man believing another gospel, the result of this man being so soon removed from him that called him, the result of this man believing another gospel, 
that was not according to the Word of God. The result was he gave great occasion to the enemies of the Lord. Those enemies were Jeroboam and the people of Bethel. He gave great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. And the heart of Jeroboam and the heart of the people of Bethel, you know, you can just kind of see them there in verse 25. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and they came and told it in the city. They couldn't wait to get there. The people of this world cannot wait to report the news of a believer whose carcass is out there on the road in the way. Their hearts were fully set in them to do evil. And the reason is that they made a critical mistake. Jeroboam and the people of Bethel made a critical mistake. An eternally damning mistake. They measured themselves by themselves. And they compared themselves among themselves. They compared themselves to the man of God. Look at, look at him laying out there on the road. He's some kind of great Christian, isn't he? Well, look at me. I'm standing here. I'm living and breathing. God says that's not wise. That's not wise. Among the many lessons that this passage of Scripture teaches us, one of them is this. The messenger is not the standard. The messenger is not the standard. The message of the Word of God is the standard. And that message is not going to fail. There hath not failed one word of all His good promise. Every word of the message that this man of God proclaimed from the Lord came to pass. Listen, if you're lost tonight, don't you dare compare yourself to this messenger right here. Don't you compare yourself to this messenger whose carcass you'll find in the way time and again with the lion standing by the ass of my old nature because I've stopped walking in the Spirit in obedience and started riding in the flesh in rebellion. You compare yourself to the standard of the message of this book. And when you do, you'll find that you are weighed in the balances and found wanting. You can compare yourself to me. <laughs> you'll have all the relative righteousness that you can hold on to. And you know what that's worth? Nothing. But when you compare yourself to the standard of the message of this book, when you compare yourself to the person of this book, the person of Jesus Christ, you'll find that you're weighed in the balances and you're found wanting.
and the only one who can balance the scales of justice in your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who is just. The one who is just. And His justice says that you've sinned and come short of the glory of God. So here you are. You're weighed in the balances and found wanting. How can you balance the scale of God's justice when you are found wanting in your trespasses and sins? You can't. You can't. You can compare yourself to every Christian you know. You'll never balance the scales. That's where the message from heaven comes in. Because this is my, I think if I had to say what my favorite verse in the Bible is, it's this one. Not only is the Lord Jesus Christ just, but He is the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus It's an interesting verse in Proverbs 16, verse 11. The just weight and balance are the Lord's. Are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are His work. His work. And so here we are. We're found, we're weighed in the balances and found lying. What we need is a just weight. We need balance. How are we going to get it? It's the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are His work. His work that He accomplished for you on the cross of Calvary. Tonight, if you will take your place as a sinner and repent of your sin and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Him alone, Him alone, He will give you a just weight and balance. He'll wash you from your sin in His blood. He'll give you His righteousness. What a balance. His life. What a balance. He'll give you that as a free gift. Do not, do not make the mistake of comparing yourself and measuring yourself by the messengers. Measure yourself and compare yourself to the message. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for um, this 13th chapter of 1 Kings and for all the lessons and messages that are there that point us to the Lord Jesus. We thank You for the opportunity that we have to come together and think about these things. Think about the glorious message of the Gospel. We thank You for our Savior. And Father, we pray that those who know You, that what would characterize our lives is walking, walking with You. As we therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And help us not to ride the ass of this old nature in rebellion against You. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
261 will be our closing song this evening. One, as we stand together and sing. <clears throat> Oh, yeah.